Hey y'all, welcome to episode 15 of Relationshiping and Handling, a podcast about relationships and how to handle different aspects of uh, different relationships. And I am your host, Hunter. Um, man, it's Christmas time and I'm loving it. Uh, here in Texas, it's a crisp uh, 45 degrees, that's what my truck says. And uh, I just, I love it. That's that's really cold here in Texas. If if uh, you're not from around here, that is uh, bundle up in your parka and and long johns and, and whatnot weather. Um, but I love it. I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love the cold weather. Um, it's just a great time. And you know, something that I find interesting is we all pretty much know the story of Christmas, and most of us do at least. You know, there's there's the baby Jesus, there's the Virgin Mary, there's uh, Joseph, uh, the husband of Mary. Um, they're in a manger in a stable because there's no room in the inn. You know, um, there's angels all around and and the star and and shepherds and wise men and gifts and all of that. But how often do we really read this story? I mean, we, we read it often, right? But how often do we actually, and here's a Christmas word for you, ponder what we're reading? And how often do we apply the things that we're reading, uh, things from that amazing story? How, how often do we apply those things to our lives? Right, like, what can we learn from each person individually? Um, over the next two, maybe three weeks, uh, I'm going to be diving in and digging deep into different characters, different persons involved in the original Christmas story, and just kind of talk about things that apply to what else but relationships, right? Um, and also along the way, I'm going to talk about some of my experiences with Christmas, uh, growing up currently, uh, and whatnot. So this week, let's dive on in, uh, talk about Christmas, right? Uh, a hunter Christmas. And the, one of the biggest things that like comes to mind whenever I think of Christmas is traditions. Traditions are big in my family. Growing up, we had a lot of traditions. Right, like the night before Christmas, we read what else but the night before Christmas as a family, right? And then after that, the three of us kids, me and my brother and sister, we'd all pack into one room, all three of us, one room, and we would sleep in that one room together. And, you know, there were sleeping bags and all sorts of stuff. And um, my parents didn't want us under threat of of taking presents away as as kids. They didn't want us to go into the living room and see the tree and see uh, all the presents um, and everything that Santa had brought and whatnot until my parents were awake um, because there was a lot of temptation to go ahead and open, right? Open up the gifts. Um, and my parents wanted to enjoy that as a family. So we had to wait until mom and dad were awake. Um, you know, once it got to that, that point where, where we had wireless phones, we would keep one of the wireless phones in the, in the room and we would call my parents, Hey, hey it's time to wake up. It's Christmas, you know, and actually a really funny story about us sleeping in one, 
uh, one room. The very last time that we did it was six years ago um, as a family. Um, I was 26 and it was me, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, my brother's wife at the time and my brother-in-law's son. So all six of us packed into this tiny room. We were packed in there like sardines. I barely slept at all. And it wasn't because, you know, I was a kid giddy for Christmas. Um, it was just, it was really uncomfortable, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And it was a nice way to kind of close that chapter of our lives and, and start our own traditions and whatnot. But once we got up, the first thing that happened before anything else happened was my, my dad would open up the Bible and he would read um, from Luke 2, the the story of Christmas um, that a lot of people have read many, many times before. And I love that. We, we started the day instead of opening presents or even eating, we started the day with God's word. And then we sang happy birthday to, to Jesus. Um, and then all along, my mom would be taking pictures while we were opening stuff up. Um, it was a great time. But I would say the biggest, most fun uh, tradition that I think I have in my mind is making Christmas sweatshirts. It It's creative. It's funny. It's unique. Um, I've been doing this for about a decade now. Almost every year over the last 10 years, I have made at least one um, sweatshirt. And I'll go ahead and show some pictures here uh, of some of those sweatshirts that I've made. It's just, it's a blast. I, I have a great time doing it. Um, it. It honestly attracts a lot of people's attention um, because it's very unique, you know? Um, and if you didn't know, I enjoy uh, the attention and I enjoy a spotlight every once in a while. Uh, who knew? But mainly why it's... Um, my favorite thing is that now I have someone in my life that I can share that with in Jasmine. It's a, it's a time for us to do this as a couple to, um, to just grow closer together. Um, it's also something that is constant. Um, and throughout relationships, you need consistency. And whenever you do those things together, feel like it propels your relationship and it just grows that relationship. And I, I have such a, such a great, great time with her. You know, there's no judgment. Uh, some of them look not very good. Uh, some of them aren't very funny. Uh, some of them, you know, are just kind of flops and others are, are really great, but there's no judgment. Um, and, and of course we're creating memories. And today, I'm going to be talking about the couple um, that is in the Christmas story and kind of how something can kind of hold you together and propel you forward. Um, kind of like making a Christmas sweatshirt uh, kind of does for me and, and Jasmine. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from... Uh, there's no core scripture today. It's just going to be a couple of passages. I'll be reading from uh, in Luke 1, um, also Matthew chapter 1, and then Luke chapter 2. Um, but before we dive into this, guys, let's let's pray and, and prepare our hearts. Dear God, I thank you so much for Christmas. I thank you for sending your one and only Son to be a sacrifice to 
reconcile us to you, God. I thank you so much for that. I thank you for the faithfulness of Joseph and Mary. And God, I pray that right now you will open up our hearts and our ears and our eyes to hear and see you and see these things that that you want us to see and hear, God, that, that we will be receptive and we will move forward changed. I thank you and I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Well, let's start with Mary because she's she's kind of the bigger figure in in this um, in this story, mainly because well she birthed Jesus. Uh, so we're gonna start in Luke Luke one twenty six through twenty eight. Um, it says in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, a couple things that, that really stand out in this to me is the fact that Mary is a woman of God, and you can tell. Um, in, in verse 28, it mentions that she is highly favored, and the Lord is with you, is what it says. And so, I mean, like, if you're highly favored from an angel that is sent from God, uh, if, if he's telling you that you're highly favored, then you can, you can take it to the bank that, that she is a, a woman of God. Also in verse 38, her response is selfless and God-centered, right? She says, I am your servant. Let it be what you have said, right? Um, Let's let's really realize and take notice that Mary would have been ridiculed. She would have been outcast, shunned, not not just as a as a pregnant teen, but also for the for the majority of her adult life probably. And and she was possibly going to be divorced because at that time if you're even if you're caught in the act of adultery, then then a woman could be stoned to death. But if something happened like that, then then that women didn't have very many rights back then. 
And so she would have been left with nothing. And Joseph would have been embarrassed. And, and you know, there's a good possibility that he, that he would have divorced her or just broken things off and said, no, I'm done. Not going to, not going to put up with this. I'm not going to be the, the stepdad to some other dude's son or daughter, you know, even though that was the case, even though she could have, and she would have been ridiculed, she still answered God right away. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm your servant and I'm going to do this. Like, wow. Right. Like I would be going, I don't know. Right. But she was just right away. Yep. I'm doing it. Another thing that I, that I noticed was that she is devoted and she honors Joseph, right? This, this relationship and, and, and it ends up being marriage. Like she is honoring her spouse in verse 34 of that she asked the question of how can this be? And I believe that, yes, she was confused because she was a virgin. How is she going to have a baby? Right. Um, never had sex not, you know, like, how can I have a baby? But also I believe that she asked it also with the, with the idea of like, well, are you sure? Cause like Joseph is also going to be impacted as long as far as my as well as myself and and i think by asking that question um she was thinking of joseph um maybe a little later than thinking about herself and and the confusion of like how can this happen but i do think that she was talk, thinking about him and then in luke luke 2 uh 4 through 7 that's what that's what many people read um, for the the story. Uh, that's that's what my family read as far as the story of, of Christmas each morning. Um, but Luke 2, 4 through 7 says, So Joseph went up to the town of, um, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lion of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I did some research on this, and the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem... <laughs> That's a 90 mile trip and it's not, and it's very hilly. Um, it was very treacherous. It would not have been a very easy trip. And of course, this is not at the time of automobiles. They're not hopping on chariot or anything like that. And, and so it was a lot of walking. Uh, I mean, 90 miles, that's, that's somewhere between like three to six days that it took. And, and Mary is nine months pregnant. And from what I understand, I might be wrong, but from what I've gathered and what I understand, Mary didn't have to go with him because it never says that Mary was in the line of David. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't have had to go back to, to Bethlehem. They weren't married yet. And, and she also was a woman 
and and women didn't have to be registered for this census as far as I understand. So she could have stayed at home and been taken care of by her mom, by her aunt, by the other women of, of the town um, in, in helping her give birth and, and take care of her needs and all that because that's what they did back then. And, and then also, there was no room anywhere nice. And, and so they stayed in a stable and we think of it as this like, oh, it's really nice, um, clean hay and the sheep and the donkeys and the oxen and all these animals. They're so primp and proper and, and they're, they look so sweet and it's all angelic and everyone's got halos on and it's just a great time. No, <laughs> there's a lot of noise, a lot of smells, it's dirty, and that's where Jesus was born. And and Mary went and did those things while she was nine months pregnant. If that doesn't show devotion, I don't know what does. You know, Jasmine isn't pregnant, right? Um, she doesn't have any kids. We're not there yet. Um, but if I'm talking about going somewhere uh, 20 minutes down the road... She's like, eh, I don't really think so. This is 90 miles and not getting in a car, right? Um, another thing about me that maybe some of y'all don't know is I went through a really hard time of having a, going through a miscarriage with a, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, I never, I had never experienced a pregnant woman personally for the for the whole duration of a pregnancy but for a little bit of time I had a girlfriend who was pregnant and well she was very emotional and moody um I can just see it and hear it uh the expectation that I have or the way that I can see it is Mary going oh I could be home right now you know or or you couldn't have gotten a softer or cleaner or nicer donkey for me to drive to ride on. Ugh. Or why didn't you call ahead and make a reservation, right? Like we needed that in. I don't want to be out here in in some stable with a bunch of animals. But the reality is that probably the Holy Spirit who was upon her and and made her conceive a child, probably prompted her to go with uh, Joseph to actually fulfill prophecy and whatnot. But I also believe that she wanted to do that because she loved Joseph and she cared for him. And she not only wanted to be around him, but I believe that she wanted Joseph to be there for the birth of not only their son, but the savior of, of the world. Again, I don't know what devotion looks like if that's not it. So, on to Joseph, right? And and I think that y'all will see along with me a little bit of parallel between the two of them. Um, so, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, 
But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now right off the bat, not only is Mary visited by an angel, but so is Joseph, right? Like, here's some of the parallels here. Um, they're both visited by angels. One, uh, really cool, Mary gets to see them, see him in person. Um, Joseph gets to see him in a dream. Um, but like Mary, Joseph is obviously a man of God. Verse 9 at the beginning, it says that he was a righteous man. In other translations, there's he was a good man, or a just man, or a noble man. Either way, he was, I, I really like how the NIV says it, of righteous, right? That means blameless, pure, uh, without fault, um, godly. And if you want to know more, you want to hear more about righteousness and, and what that really means and me going into it a little bit more, check out episode 10. Um, it's the part, part four of a mini series that I did on how to argue. I talked about righteousness there quite a bit, but also in verse 20, um, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now to set the scene a little bit, it had been over 400 years since God had talked to the Israelites at all. And all of a sudden, not only is Mary being talked to through an angel, but so is Joseph. So these, these people are set apart. And, and of course, they're a part of a bigger plan. But it, it, makes me, it leads me to believe that Joseph is very much a man of God. And lastly, in verse 24, just like Mary, his response is selfless and God-centered. Joseph, Joseph would have been seen as unrighteous outcast, criticized, even emasculated for staying with a woman who had a child that was not his. And yet he still, no matter what was said about him or would be said about him, he still said, all right, God, this is what I'm going to do. You told me to do it. I'm doing it. And so he stayed with her. Again, like Mary, Joseph was devoted and honored Mary. In verse 19, um, it's, he said that he was, or it says that he was going to divorce her quietly. I mean, she, she would have been, like we talked about, outcast and ridiculed, but this would have taken a lot of that shame away. 
He was going to do it in quiet so that she wouldn't be ridiculed or, or outcast as much. So he cared about, even though he was, he was wanting to divorce her, he still cared about her so much that he was going to do this to kind of help her, you know? Now, if we go back to Luke 2, uh, 4 through 7, like I read earlier, and kind of look at this, she took, sorry, not she, he, he took care of Mary. Joseph took care of Mary in a way that men didn't do during that time. Men weren't the ones there to help uh, a, a woman through uh, labor and giving, giving birth. That was for the moms and the sisters and the aunts and the other women of the, of the town to do. Men didn't do that. And, and he also provided. Now, granted, they, they were in a stable, but he still found a shelter of some kind, right? And, and the whole 90-mile trek, I guarantee you, she wasn't walking, and he wasn't up on a donkey. He was the one that was walking. He was probably the one that stayed up all the time, the whole time, to make sure that they were safe. And I'd like to think that maybe through all of this, he took Mary's complaints and maybe moodiness, right? Um, at least maybe I think that might have happened. So, so what can we apply to our own lives through this story of this amazing couple that gets to be the parents of the Savior of the, of, of the world? Well, the first thing is God first, no matter the consequence. I mean, both of them faced judgment and persecution from society based on what God told them was going to happen. And, and they accepted it and they did what, what they were told to do uh, immediately, no matter the consequences. So the question I ask is, are you letting society, friends, family, coworkers, um, social media, make or shape your decisions or are you putting God first no matter what they say about those decisions the next thing is stand firm with your spouse and prioritize prioritize them number one behind Christ some people will disagree with that that's fine that's that's what I'm reading here and that's what I believe they stayed devoted to each other and probably grew infinitely closer, I, I can imagine, due to the circumstances that they faced together. Uh, they, they, they had to have been one of the greatest uh, uh, married couples ever dealing with what they dealt with and just growing closer. So the question I ask is, are you honoring, respecting, and loving your spouse by your actions, by sticking with them through it all? And where do they fit in your priorities? And then lastly, I would say that God can use anyone for his good plans and purposes in life. I mean, Joseph was a carpenter. He was a blue-collar guy, didn't make much money at all. And Mary was a teenager, essentially a slave girl, right? Yet God used them as, an in, as intricate parts of this amazing story of the birth of Christ and raising Christ. So how do you see yourself? If, 
if you need some guidance on like how to see yourself, if maybe you don't have the greatest uh, outlook on yourself, check out episode two that I did. It was, it's all about, it's like, I think it's entitled me, myself and I, <laughs> um, and it's all about your own relationship with yourself and how God sees you and how you should see you. So let's look at, look at Christmas through a new lens this year. You know, who are those, um, those involved in the story that we read every year? Uh, what did they do? And what is God trying to tell us through them? And let's make these, t- these questions that we have, let's make them a Christmas tradition, right? So until next week, uh, when I'll be talking about another uh, person involved in the Christmas story, uh, I love y'all and God bless y'all. See ya.